This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold right here. With the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv slash gold. First off, folks, thank you so much for leaving those five-star reviews and those comments over at Apple Podcasts. It means the world to us, folks. It really does. And we appreciate it, and it keeps us motivated. And for all of you over there at pain.tv slash gold, thank you so much for signing up. And thank you for all the messages and the intelligence and the uh, DMs that you've been sending me with information, and I apologize that I haven't gotten back to everyone yet, but trust me, all the intel you sent to me is on my radar. It's just with the baby quickly approaching, uh, I've been trying to record two shows a day so that I have a cache of shows if... uh, My wife goes into labor early. I'm able to uh, jump into dad mode, and um, we won't miss any days with uploading new podcasts. So I've been working hard to get ahead on this information and been doing double the research, double the recording, double the post-production. So I haven't been able to respond to all of you, and I apologize for that because I truly appreciate all of the information you're sending me, all of the comments on the show. Really, it motivates me to keep doing this because it tells me there's people out there that are learning um, new things from this show. And then I see, and the greatest part now is I see that your guys' eyes are open and you're saying, oh, Dustin, here's something that you talked about a month ago. Hey, Dustin, look who's jumping on board with this now. Hey, Dustin, check this out. These people are, you know, stealing your information. Now, I want to address that briefly before we get back to the Military.com Left of Boom podcast on the Cyborg Soldier 2050 featuring Doctors Peter Emanuel and Diane Deulius. We're going to get back to that. But there's a couple pieces of news that I have to cover, and I have to address what uh, I just spoke about, that you guys are telling me there's people lifting content, and now you're seeing certain influencers in the so-called magosphere now talking about transhumanism and the technocracy. So I guess let me address that first. So there's a video that somebody sent me um, on Twitter of a certain person. Some of these people I don't want to name by name. Um, Maria Albanese, Commander Moore, they've warned me that some of these people could make our lives a living hell, and there's no reason now to name them. 
but uh, there's a certain general out there. I don't know. You guys may know this person. Uh, they started off as a Democrat, ended up getting involved with five Republican campaigns in 2015, eventually worked their way into the White House, and then uh, had to exit about 20 days later, and they're tied into the IP3 international scandal that I've talked about briefly on this podcast because it ties into Lars Butler, who is the CEO of Artificial Intelligence Foundation that's building the mind-twinning software. Okay, if you don't know who that is, uh, eventually I'll figure out a way to talk about it in more depth. But this person on a podcast, and then there was a couple-minute clip disseminated on Twitter, started talking about uh, the vaccines and how the elites were going to try to modify our DNA, and that wasn't going to work, and therefore... Now they were going to try to turn people into a merger of man and machine. And they said, yeah, there's some guys who come home without limbs, and so we attach robotic arms to them. That's different. Uh, They're going to try to do it to everyone and modify our DNA and such. So first off, this particular person is a spook through and through. I never trusted him. I did not like him getting involved with the Trump campaign. I especially did not like him going into the Trump White House. I was never a fan. I believe I was vocal about that on certain podcasts I was involved with back in the day. And so now this person uh, heavily promotes QAnon, which... Uh, pretty much a couple months into Q, Maria and Alba, uh, Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays, and I used to uh, be on shows together back in the day. We used to uh, prep content for other people, and we were sort of calling out Q very quickly in the beginning. And I'm not, maybe one day we'll do a whole show on that. We'll do like a retro discussion on Q. But, you know, Q, I believed, was there to distract the masses to move MAGA into a brainwashed, you know, vegetableized state in which they trusted the plan instead of uh, staying active. And I started to believe that Q's job was going to be to help normalize corruption, criminality, sedition, and uh, election fraud. And so at the end of the day, you make up your mind what happened, but basically all that stuff has been normalized. And so this particular person is wrapped up in QAnon, and they are a very, very sort of divisive personality. And so half the country hates them. And then probably half of the right hates them. And then a lot of other people just look at them as a grifter. And so now all of a sudden they're going to start talking about how the vaccine could modify people's DNA and they're going to merge man with machine. But they're not giving any details and they especially aren't going to tell you that the state is behind this 100%. And it has nothing to do with uh, right-left paradigm WWE wrestling clown circus uh, nonsense. And so because that person uh, actually makes money off of that world. And so 
I would just be very careful of this. Sadly, what I think is going to happen is they're going to take the real issues that we talk about here. And, and this isn't about me. And it's not even about the uh, Thomas Paine podcast network or Payne.tv slash gold. It's really not. I mean, if there are people who are listening to Mike's show or to Maria's show on Fridays with Mike Moore or to my show and they're taking this information and disseminating it in another fashion i mean that's what we want at the end of the day we want to spread the word our information is here so that people pick up on it now would i like to get credit for some of that would mike like to get credit with maria yeah once in a while i mean you see here i show videos and read people's articles uh obviously i'm sharing the research that i do and i told you sometimes i'll read 20 articles i'll find the one that best suits our needs has the most details and then i get give out the website when it was written the title um sometimes i i try to remember to put the author in there when it's podcasts i give out the name of those even if they're not podcasts that i agree with nor would um what i want people necessarily listening to i always give out the information and credit it when you guys at pain.tv slash gold or over on twitter send me information uh, as long as you tell me not to use your handle or something because you don't want to be out there uh, i give you guys credit when i remember to put it down in my notes if not i say someone over there gave this to me and i always try to show appreciation for that so when people listen to our shows and then they're building their show notes and then they go write an article or they go give a podcast copying what we said and they don't say oh i heard this over here or heard this over there yeah it, it's kind of annoying but the worst part about this folks is that they're tarnishing the information you know very similar to let's just say alex jones you could love him you could hate him it doesn't really matter to me but what i look at alex jones is that he takes valuable information and then because it's coming out of him and he has he is seen as so divisive uh, or a kook or he's branded as a conspiracy theorist and then he goes out and he does crazy stunts a lot of times driving around in a tank in washington dc almost like a clown show what happens is that information is now tarnished so if you have real information real intelligence that you got from my show or uh, Maria Albanese or from Mike Moore or you researched it yourself or maybe you picked it up from Patrick Wood or Whitney Webb or one of these other people that discusses the technocracy and transhumanism in detail and has done investigative research on it people automatically now discount that they'll say where did you hear that from alex jones who said that the crazy general who was charged with treason you know and so that's how it works and so what happens is i tend to believe that some of these people pick up this information because it's starting to be disseminated and talked about and now they're going to tarnish it uh, the other thing is that they will grift off of it so they'll use it to make money but at the end of the day you could listen to uh you know steve bannon's war room pandemic and he has a guest who comes on there uh, someone sent me an article he just wrote and said wow this seems like a recap of your first 47 segments i read it there was some information i didn't discuss so i don't really know i mean other people are allowed to talk about this i just find it to be um interesting that all of a sudden they're talking about it but yet they're not going to go into depth the way we do over here they're not going to do 
seven shows a week, two hours each, uh, going into depth on the background of the investors, the, the money men behind it, the government agencies, the universities, the uh, private industry, the partnerships between this, the government front man. They're not going to go into all this, the history of it. And so they just brush the surface, and then all of a sudden now it's, oh, so-and-so said this. They're going to do something with the vaccine, and the majority of people are going to go, oh, he's a kook. That's fake. And now, boom, all these people that we could have woke up are shut down on the information because of the messenger. And so the messenger, who they choose strategically to put the message out there, ends up tarnishing the information. The other part is generally when you're dealing with misinformation or disinformation agents, 95% of what they're telling you is 100% true. It has to be. Like with QAnon, that's how they get people on board with it. But the other 5% tends to be the misdirection. Either they'll leave out certain players intentionally or they'll take the idea of transhumanism and they'll attach it to the Democrats and say the Republicans aren't involved. Or they'll attach it to Ray Kurzweil and say, oh, it's just these goofy people instead of showing you that Dr. Charles Morgan III from the CIA or Dr. Peter Emanuel and Dr. Diane Dulius from the Army are involved or Dr. James Giordano. They will not show you that the actual government, our government, the state, is behind this and funding it. They also generally will not mention Peter Thiel. If you see any of the people in that Bannon sphere mention Peter Thiel being involved with this stuff, please let me know because um, I, I really am interested in that. I don't have time to sit around and listen to all them. I'm researching what's going on so I can keep bringing you the truth. I don't have a lot of time to play around in their sandbox and figure out the dif- disinformation that they're spreading because I could end up losing focus, and that could be part of it as well, and I will not lose focus. So if you guys happen to see it, if they mention Peter Thiel by name, please let me know because generally he's involved with these people and funding a lot of the programs that they're connected to so if you see that let me know i'd also be interested to know if they point the finger at elon musk you know or if they point the finger at any of the doctors that they were running around and promoting uh who they elevated all the way to joe rogan experience who were involved with these novel customized dna injection shots and so that that's all i really want to say about that i don't want to waste a lot of your time and our time if there's other independents out there picking up stuff from uh, this show or maybe they're just getting interested in this because they realize how important of an issue it is then good that's a good thing i want people to be talking about this that is part of the goal of this show and so that's fine i just hate to see these divisive influencers these sort of wwe characters grabbing a hold of this because i believe they're going to either misdirect people away from the true wizards of oz behind the curtain and or they are going to tarnish the material because it comes out of their mouth 
and or they're going to just grift off it by saying um, the Democrats are going to turn you into transhumanist zombies, send me $10. And so I don't want to see that happen. The other thing is if they start to say that this is going on, but Donald Trump is going to protect you or Ron DeSantis is going to protect you, then they are completely lying. I mean, I, I, I don't want to get into a war over Donald Trump. I told you guys before I went to 13 rallies. I performed at two of the inaugural balls as Donald Trump and my Donald Trump impersonator character um, donated to Trump. Um, I have three or four MAGA hats I bought. Uh, I was a big fan of Trump the first year he was in office. So I don't want to battle over that. But at the end of the day, he launched Operation Warp Speed and he he went right along with the Great Reset and helped usher us into the Fourth Industrial Revolution. So I just can't get on board with um, Trump is going to save us. Uh, this is why I don't do a lot of politics here. But I had to address that because, I mean, there's dozens of you emailing me this stuff and I don't want to ignore it or seem like I'm not addressing your concerns because part of this show is for me to interact with you, engage with you. I want to build a community, not just talk down to people uh, in a room as if as if I'm the boss and you don't matter. So I'm addressing that now. When we get back, folks, a couple of things on another topic I don't really get heavily involved with, which is COVID, but uh, you guys have been sending me some information. I'm going to address it when we get back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here. On pain.tv slash gold. Send out the clowns. That's what they do, folks. When we are over the target, when the independent journalists are over the target, they send out the clowns to tarnish the information. And these are clowns, folks. These are real-world CIA spook clowns that they're sending out there to tarnish this important, this valuable um this incredible information that we and others are covering all right folks oh another thing i wanted to just add to this so i have decided i'm going to be doing sort of a breaking news morning show that's going to cover certain topics that come out on the technocracy and transhumanism stuff that i don't necessarily want to get distracted with during the show i'm going to start doing is probably a 30 minute morning show and i will let you know when that's going to come out we'll probably just run it on the same podcast channel at least for now i'm going to talk to commander Payne and see what he thinks but i'll let you know uh when that is coming ladies and gentlemen all right let me show you uh something that's going on here first eh, let me see let's take a look at the tucker carlson piece again this is something that uh some of you sent me oh and a shout out a shout out to my buddy over there at pain.tv slash gold um that is uh, loosehead tony man he sent maria albanese and i a recipe on uh how he 
pickles his cucumbers. And it's fantastic. So I appreciate that, Loosehead Tony. I know you hate me sometimes. You uh, like to tangle with me there, but I'm not taking the bait, my friend. But the pickle stuff, I do appreciate that very much. Look, I'm, I understand I can't be for everyone. If you don't like me, that's fine. Continue to listen to Mike Moore. Try to get this information from other people like Whitney Webb, uh, Patrick Wood, Johnny Vedmore, T-Lav. There's some others talking about James Corbett. I'm not affiliated with any of them. I've never spoken to them. Um, but uh, Allison McDowell is one. I think she has a website, Wrench in the Gears or wrenchinthegear.com. You know, try to get this information from other people that uh, – that you can listen to because it's valuable information. If you don't like my style, that's okay. I understand that, but uh, I would not miss out on this information. All right, let's take a look at this piece that came out on Fox News by Tucker Carlson. And then I will just give you my comments on this because a number of you um, sent this to me. Actually, it was funny. I was uh, sitting around the other night. My father texted me screenshots (laughs) as he's watching Fox. And I said, up two years too late. But I guess if Tucker says it, it's true now. Because my father is someone for years. He doesn't listen to me unless uh, Bill O'Reilly back in the day or now Tucker Carlson tells him it's true. It's not true, folks. So now this is true. All right. Let's take a look at this because people like myself, people like Maria Albanese, people like Mike Moore, probably a lot of you have been trying to warn people about this for almost two years now. And finally, finally, government frontman Tucker Carlson talks about it. Let's listen. It was never clear what the COVID shot was going to do to pregnant women. No one knew because it had never been tested. So under normal circumstances, it would be reckless and crazy to try and push people to take something whose outcome you couldn't predict. Okay, so the question is there, Tuck, and I don't know this, folks. Maybe you do. I'm just throwing it out there. I don't watch Tucker Carlson, so I have no idea. Since Tucker Carlson is now saying that the CDC never tested the vaccine, let, let, let's listen again. Hold on. Let's listen again, because Tucker's got a voice that you can kind of forget what he says. Let's listen again. It's clear what the COVID shot was going to do to pregnant women. No one knew because it had never been tested. So It had never been tested. So my question to all of you out there who may uh, watch Tucker Carlson, did Tucker warn pregnant women not to get the vaccine? Back in the day with his two, three, four, five million people that watch him, did he warn pregnant women not to get the vaccine? Also, he works at Fox. Didn't they have a vaccine mandate? Did he get the vaccine? I don't know. But I mean, was he warning women? I'm not sure if he was warning pregnant women. As far as I know, I've never seen that. I could be wrong, though. If you know of that, please send me the information at goldapain.tv and I will cover it. All right, let's continue. Under normal circumstances, it would be reckless and crazy to try and push people to take something whose outcome you couldn't predict. But the CDC did it anyway. The CDC encouraged pregnant mothers to take the COVID shots, even though, once again, the initial vaccine trials excluded pregnant women and women who were lactating. Okay, and not even that, ladies and gentlemen, it wasn't just the CDC, because I know plenty, plenty of women who were pregnant that got the vaccine. In fact, I know someone personally, one of many, but someone personally who got it, and now their child has a rare disease that only normally shows up in one in 100,000 children. 
But there were many people like me. In fact, there were some uh, studies out there by uh, at least one of the big four jab companies um, that went into whether or not pregnant women were going to leach uh, the ingredients inside of that vial, folks, uh, through breast milk. Let's continue. The CDC tweeted in August, for example, that, quote, people who receive mRNA COVID-19 vaccines while breastfeeding have antibodies in breast milk that can help protect babies. Okay, so up on the screen, he has a tweet by the CDC from August 6, 2022. It says, it's National Breastfeeding Month. Reports show that people who received mRNA COVID-19 vaccines while breastfeeding have antibodies in breast milk that can help protect babies. Evidence shows COVID-19 vaccination while breastfeeding is safe and effective. All right. Do you understand that, folks? So in August, the CDC was admitting that there were certain antibodies being passed on to children through breast milk. Now, people like me were screaming about this two years ago, screaming about it, that they were essentially going to pass whatever the hell is in that vaccine on to children through the mothers. Now, it's a whole other question of whether or not the people who are jabbed and or boosted are leeching, basically shedding whatever is inside them onto people like me and you and others. I mean, there may be no way for us to avoid this. We probably were the ones who should have wore the hazmat suits when we went out in public to protect us ourselves from these people. I know People like myself joked about it. Other people talked about it. I mean, I was almost serious about it for a minute, but I had to make a decision. And this is before my wife got pregnant, before I knew we were going to have a child, uh, of whether or not I was going to start wearing a hazmat suit and gas mask and stuff if I wanted to live the rest of my life like that. I'm, I'm sure most of you, the majority of you, maybe all of you, did not decided not to do that either. But um, so now Tucker's finally talking about this. You know, two years too late. Let's continue. Oh, and the other thing here too, folks, is that um, there's a couple things. So I've had various communications with uh, people at pain.tv slash golden over at Twitter about this. And the reason why I don't cover a lot of these topics or a lot of the doctors who pop in and out, Marie Albanese said in one of them, uh, I knew I was being played from the beginning. I don't need more validation than I was being played. One of the reasons why I don't get into this is I'm trying to focus on where the technocrats and the transhumanists started from, where they are at today and where they are going. Uh, and, and my feeling on the jabs and the boosters is that the deal has been done. Now, whether we're hearing stories of people getting sick, getting cancer, having strokes, getting rashes, I mean, there's plenty of them out there. I know a lot of people firsthand that got jabbed and ended up with cancer. One, I could never prove that the jab caused their cancer. Not saying it didn't. But the other thing is, within the jabs themselves, if you take the main companies like Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, Moderna, okay, so whatever is in that vial, you and I will never know. There could have been 500 different things that they distributed in that vial if this was nefarious. And there could be multiple goals. Uh, Some of it could have been saline solution, 
Some of it could have been rat poison. Some of it could have been stem cells like Charles Morgan III talked about that can implant inside your body in any place they program it and then be ready to be activated by a sound wave to spread cancer inside you, give you a stroke, whatever it may be. Right, they could have done that. There could be nanobots in some of this. They could be testing out the nanobots they want to put in their own bloodstream. So they used, you know, whatever, 10 million people as guinea pigs for their nanobots. They could have put nanobots in people to connect them up to some AI hive mind. I mean, we will never know. There's no one who took each vial, put it under a microscope, and examined it. So we will never know. So to sit here and speculate and discuss every case of someone who was maimed and or uh, died after they got a jab or after they got the booster, to me, seems like um, just, just to me at least, a waste of time because we'll never know what actually caused their illness and we don't know what they actually took. And you could say, well, they took the Johnson & Johnson. Well, the Johnson & Johnson what? I mean, the Johnson and Johnson they took could have had rat poison in it. I don't know. I mean, intentionally, or it could have been contaminated. We will never know. We will never know. But the reason why I'm covering this is because this was something a lot of people were talking about who were called conspiracy theorists who were absolutely right. And a lot of people who predicted this happening didn't have to necessarily be scientists. They use common sense and critical thinking like I do and like the majority of you do. Something that we don't have very much anymore. All right, let's continue with this. Huh. Huh. Antibodies in breast milk. Well, it turns out that mRNA vaccines in breast milk might have some unforeseen effects on developing babies. The Journal of the American Medical Association Pediatrics has just revealed that the mRNA from the Moderna and Pfizer COVID-19 vaccines has showed up in the breast milk of lactating women. In some cases, many hours after vaccination. Okay, so now they're admitting the mRNA has showed up in breast milk, including in lactating women. All right, let's continue. According to the JAMA letter, the effects on children are completely unknown, as they would be. And that's scary. Quote, Oh, it's scary, Tucker. I mean, were you saying this two years ago when the information was coming out? God, this guy. This guy just ticks me off, folks. All right, let's continue. Caution is warranted about breastfeeding children younger than six months in the first 48 hours after maternal vaccination until more safety studies are concluded. Okay, caution is warranted about breastfeeding children younger than six months in the first 48 hours after maternal vaccination until more safety studies are conducted. I mean, seriously, let me know if this guy covered this stuff in the last two years, even in the last one year. Let's continue. Thanks for telling us now. It concludes this way, quote, the potential interference of COVID-19 vaccine mRNA with the immune response to multiple routine vaccines given to infants during their first six months of life. What does this all add up to? It sounds ominous. 
Okay. All right. That's enough with with him. But I I wanted to address that, folks, because now he's saying it. So now it's true. So now you're not a conspiracy theorist if you want to bring it up and talk about it. So I guess it's safe for all of us over here at the pain.tv slash gold family. Mike Moore is free to talk about it. Maria Albanese is free. I'm free. All of you are free now, I guess, to tweet about this because Tucker Carlson and the CDC says it's okay now. They're admitting to what all of us have been saying for the last two years folks sleep on that (laughs) don't sleep actually don't sleep this is just a short break when i get back let me show you one more thing connected to COVID. this is going to blow your mind because again again it's something that all of us have been talking about ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold this is the dustin gold standard and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. And for all of you in the video audience who've been wondering, why is Dustin wearing a hat today? He never wears a hat. He always has his hair done. Well, folks, I had an early morning uh, water aqua class with my wife, a beautiful class called Chi. You should check it out. A-I-C-H-I. Love energy in Japanese. It's a great class. She likes to take it because it's stretching and breathing and relaxation. A little different than some of the aerobic stuff we do. But uh, So I came from there. I decided I want to record. And I said, you know what? It's okay. I don't have to do the hair today, folks. All right. Let's jump right into this article over at CNBC. This just came out the other day. This is uh, COVID vaccination linked to slight increase in menstrual cycle. National Institute of Health study confirms. Uh, Again, folks, um, we apologize to you on behalf of the United States government for slandering you and calling you a cooked out conspiracy theorist for ever talking about this because, again, This was something that many of us have talked about over the last couple of years, and I know many of you have as well. This is an article by Spencer Kimball. And this is important too, folks, because I've been warning you, warning you about Peter Thiel and his company, 28, which is run by a TikTok influencer turned conservative personality who talks about natural women's health, nothing wrong with that, but who is backed by Peter Thiel to run her new app, 28, in which women, in part, upload their menstrual cycle data to Peter Thiel, the transhumanist, technocrat, government frontman, technology investment oligarch, who works hand-in-hand with pretty much every government agency and has received startup capital from the CIA for his company, Palantir, that's embedded into almost every government agency. 
All right. I warned you of that. I think I did a PSA uh, release on that, not to give your information to Peter Thiel's 28. Uh, Not that this article connects to Peter Thiel's 28, but you have to ask yourself why Peter Thiel wants women's menstrual cycle data, especially since we've been talking about synthetic wombs, designer babies, gene editing, CRISPR, DNA splicing, and all of that good stuff. All right, let me just review this for you quickly, though, because it is important. It says here, a study funded by the NIH, National Institute of Health, found that COVID vaccination was linked to a temporary increase in women's menstrual cycles by an average of less than a day. Nearly 20,000 people participated in the study across Canada, the United Kingdom, the United States, Europe, and other parts of the world who received one of nine different vaccines. The changes in menstrual cycle length did not differ between vaccines. And again, folks, nine different types of vaccines, but like I mentioned in the last segment, there could be 500 things that were in the vaccine. We don't know. We don't know. We will never know. No one will ever know what was in the vaccines. The only people who know are the ones who made it and distributed it. And even the people mixing it up in the manufacturing plants don't know what's inside there it says COVID-19 vaccination is linked to a slight increase in the length of a woman's menstrual cycle delaying the beginning of bleeding by a few hours according to a large international study funded by the National Institutes of Health Dr. Diana Bianchi head of NIH's Child Health and Human Development Institute said the changes following vaccination appear small, temporary, and within the normal range. However, the longer menstrual cycle, typically about a month long, didn't necessarily increase the number of days of bleeding, according to health agency. All right. It goes on to say a change in menstrual cycle length of eight days or less is considered within the normal range of variation, NIH said. Participants' menstrual cycles increased by an average of 0.71 days or less than 24 hours after the first vaccine dose and by just over half a day after the second dose, according to the study's findings. Women who received both vaccine Doses in a single menstrual period saw their cycle increase by 3.91 days. And you say, well, why is this all important, Dustin? It's important because they're doing a study, and if there were no problems with it, they wouldn't even release the findings. The question is, why are they doing the study? The question is, why is this important? The question is, why are they so interested in women's menstrual cycles? Why are they tampering with it? Why do they want to see whatever ingredient inside that vaccine caused this to happen? And how did this end up happening across all nine supposed variations of the vaccine? Just these are questions. Sometimes we're not going to have the answers, but they're important questions to ask. It goes on to say, but more than 1,300 women saw their cycle increase by eight days or more, representing 6.2% of vaccinated individuals and 5% of unvaccinated people in the study. Younger women who had a longer cycle before vaccination were more likely to see a bigger delay in the start of their periods. 
After the vaccination series was complete, cycle length had largely returned to normal for women who received one dose per menstrual cycle and by about 20 hours for those who received both doses in a single cycle. Nearly 20,000 people who participated in the study across Canada, the UK, the US, Europe, and other parts of the world, participants received one of nine different vaccines. Okay, Pfizer, BioNTech, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, AstraZeneca, Covishield, Sputnik, Covaxin, Sinopharm, and Sinovac. The changes in menstrual cycle length did not differ between vaccines. See, so there's something in there that was causing this to happen that was across all nine of them. The researchers used data from a fertility tracking app called Natural Cycles. You see, that's what I'm saying, folks. You got to watch out with these apps, okay? You got to watch out with the smart tech. It says women provided information on their temperature and menstrual cycle length to the app. Users of the app can select an option to provide their data for research purposes without any personally identifying information. And I'm sure you've seen this pop up on other apps, folks. All right. It's sometimes you miss it totally. It's like opting into a spam email. I mean, the other day, I'm still on the... um, Trump campaign list. I've never signed up for the GOP. And I've tried actually unsubscribing over the years. And then I ended up just saying, screw it, I'll leave it because I get to see what kind of BS that the Trump campaign is sending out. The other day, I'm not kidding you, I got 31 emails in one day from the Trump campaign. So you opt into these things, you give these people your data. It's like the smart sock I talked about for the children. You are giving these guys access to your vitals, to your children's vitals. There is no reason that you should be helping them develop the designer babies and the Frankenstein technology that they're doing. Stop contributing your data to these people. And the only way you can safely stop is by not using it at all. Because even if you say you don't want them to have the data, they still get the data, folks. I mean, who's getting arrested for this? Nobody. Nobody. Uh, It goes on to say, users on the app can select an option to provide their data, as I said, for research purposes without any personally identifying information. That's bogus. goes on to say, the researchers had released preliminary findings in January suggesting an association between COVID vaccination and increased menstrual cycle data uh, length. And the study published this week confirmed the link. NIH provided a $1.67 million to five research institutions to investigate the issue. So again, folks, stop giving these people your data. Stop using these apps, especially don't use 28, which Peter Thiel is behind. All right. And now we see that there's a correlation between people using one of the nine COVID vaccines now affecting women's menstrual cycles. And really, it doesn't matter that much the length in which some are eight days, some are, you know, three quarters of a day. The fact is, it's affecting the menstrual cycle. That's affecting, affecting what is connected directly to what? Being able to get pregnant and give birth. And we talked about, many have talked about whether or not these vaccines were going to create infertility problems in women. We've been saying this for two years. 
because these guys run around and talk about depopulation constantly. So using common sense, you'd have to say if you believe they're evil, as I do, and you know they don't love you, as I do, I don't love you. I just know that they don't. No, I love you guys out there. But no, seriously. So you're going to let them stick you with stuff and then possibly uh, make you infertile. And so this is the beginning of the study. So they're going to say it affected them for a month or two months. And then what happens three months from now, six months from now, when they say, oh, sorry, it ended up giving you cancer. Just like Tucker is now able to talk about how the mRNA is leaching out of mom's breast and the kid is ingesting it. And so the question is, are they effectively now vaccinated with whatever the vaccine actually is, which sadly we will never know. But the fact is, why, why, the point of this is why all of a sudden now are they talking about all this? Not because there's heat on them, folks. They don't care about us. We're no threat to them right now. So why all of a sudden are they all talking about this publicly? Why are they allowed to put this information out there? Is it because they're bragging and they're laughing in our face? I would tend to believe that probably is the case, folks. They are laughing in our face. When I get back, a couple quick updates on our friend Elon Musk, and then we jump back into Left of Boom and Dr. Peter Emanuel. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. We are back, folks. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here, right here, ladies and gentlemen, on pain.tv slash gold. Pop over there for a few dollars a month. You can join a like-minded group of folks and share intel back and forth with each other on all types of subjects, folks. It's very easy. It operates similar to Facebook um same sort of layout mike did that intentionally so there wouldn't be a huge learning curve folks because it's kind of a pain to try to uh to try to relearn um, a whole new platform every time you sign up for something you got to spend 17 hours learning how to use it so mike and the gang went and they did this very similar to um to uh facebook so it's easy to use all right Let's pop over to this article here. This is at uh, futurism.com. Just came out a couple of days ago. Title is Battle Over Alleged Grizzly Photos of Brain-Hacked Neuralink Monkeys. We haven't seen the photos yet, but they sound gruesome. All right. And so this article just came out a couple of days ago. And why am I bringing this up here? Well, we're in the middle of talking about a few things, folks. The mad scientist, Dr. Frankenstein experiments being conducted by the state, by the government through DARPA. We're hearing about some of that now, the military side of it from Drs. Peter Emanuel and Diane DeUlius. 
We heard about some of this from Dr. Charles Morgan III. We'll hear more about this from Dr. James Giordano in a coming episode. And at the same time, at the same time, we just talked about what the state is now releasing in regards to the old COVID jab, the old vaccine there. And they're starting to admit, well, maybe, maybe it's affecting the menstrual cycle. Maybe the mRNA is now leaching out of mommy's breast into the child. And so here we go with Elon Musk, because remember, we spent, what, five, six episodes on Musk uh, reviewing the Neuralink brain chip. Part of what we showed was his macaque monkey that he implanted the brain chip in. We later went and broke that down and showed you through the Dr. Charles Morgan III speech, the lecture, that they were doing that same thing all the way back in like 2008. Of course, Musk released it a couple of years ago, but we got to see that presentation. Remember the three little pigs where Musk brought out the three pigs and he said, here's so-and-so pig and this little piggy uh, had a brain chip and we took it out of their head and they're just fine. Here's one with a chip in their head and look at them. They're smiling. They're a happy pig. Well, this is a story that's been ongoing. And let me just tell you what happens, folks. When the mad scientists are manipulating animals uh, and they are manipulating people, so if Musk and company, you know, God, government front man, what did we show the other day? Two, three billion dollars, six billion dollars, something like that. He's gotten from the government for all of his crazy projects. And so he is an extension of the state doing experiments on these innocent little monkeys. And you'll see what he's done to them. And at the same time, you say, well, out in the real world, maybe all the people that got the jab, maybe all the people that took the boosters are just little monkeys for the same state that funds these mad scientist experiments that Elon Musk conducts on behalf of the state. It says a California university is refusing to release a cache of grisly photos of monkeys reportedly injured during experiments testing Elon Musk Neuralink brain implant technology in spite of a lawsuit aiming to force the school's hand. In a press release, the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, PCRM, advocacy group said that it had learned that the University of California, Davis, is in possession of 371 photos of the experimented upon monkeys that were subjected to Neuralink tests, which took place at the school's veterinary lab facilities. All right? So there you go. University of California running these experiments for Elon Musk Neuralink. And did I not just explain to you, maybe in the last episode, I think we broke down how the state, how the government funnels money into these universities and then into these so-called private companies run by people like Elon Musk, and they all work hand-in-hand to build uh, this technology that's going to engineer humanity out of existence. The article goes on to say, earlier this year, Neuralink admitted that a fifth of the uh, 23 rhesus macaque monkeys it used to test its brain-hacking implants had been euthanized after developing infections and malfunctions. So they euthanized the macaque monkey that they love so much and they let 
drink a banana shake out of a straw every time it was able to uh, move the ball in mind pong, what would they do to you? What would they do to the people who they ran trials on with, uh, at the very least, at the very least, was a rushed through vaccine? You know, at the worst, God only knows what they did to us. Goes on to say, bolstering PCRM's credibility, that admission came in the wake of its complaint it filed against Neuralink. So Neuralink admitted that a fifth of the 23 monkeys were euthanized because of complications due to the brain hacking. Goes on to say, now PCRM says it learned that the that uh, UC Davis is in possession of hundreds of photos depicting, among other things, quote, necropsies of animals killed, end quote, in the experiments after filing a lawsuit against the school in February over its shielding of the photos, which the university argues are proprietary. Quote, UC Davis thinks the public is too stupid to know what they're looking at, end quote, Physicians Committee Research Director Ryan Merkley said in the press release. Quote, but it's clear the university is simply trying to hide from taxpayers the fact that it partnered with Elon Musk to conduct experiments in which animals suffered and died, end quote. I wonder if Ryan Merkley is concerned about people, you know, or is this to divert attention away from what Elon Musk and the government, the state, are doing to people? I mean, it is sad what they're doing to the monkeys. I wish the monkeys would revolt and turn that college into Planet of the Apes, to be honest. But uh, unfortunately, they don't. Even the people don't revolt. It goes on to say the nonprofit said it in the release that it had learned through its lawsuit that Neuralink paid UC Davis $1.4 million to use its facilities between 2017 and 2020. You see, the, the, the private sector guys are in bed with the universities, as we said. As the release notes, the school has already released uh, hundreds of pages of documents which, quote, showed monkeys suffering from chronic infections, seizures, paralysis, and painful side effects following the experiments, end quote. Were they talking about the monkeys or all the people that took the jab and or the booster? Sounds very similar, doesn't it? Chronic infections, seizures, paralysis, and painful side effects. This is what happens, folks. This is what happens when you let the technocratic scientists and engineers play around with society. As I told you, to them, we are inefficient. Humans are inefficient. Nature is inefficient. And the engineers will never stop, folks. They will find problems where there are no problems. They believe that they are <laughs> the intelligent designers, that there is no intelligent design. And so they will tinker and tinker and tinker until they break everything. It goes on to say in February, UC Davis and Neuralink both responded to the lawsuit by issuing statements saying that they had compiled I'm sorry, that they had complied with established research protocols and regulations. UC Davis directed Futurism, that's who wrote this, 
to that February statement and added that the school has, quote, fully complied with the state law in responding to PCRM's public records request, end quote. Futurism has also reached out to Neuralink for comment regarding the lawsuit and its plans to prevent such harm from coming to animal research subjects in the future. And the article ends with, for now, we don't know how gruesome the photos of the experimented upon macaques may be. And until the school or Neuralink is forced to give them up, we'll have to contend with our imaginations. Yeah, I really want to have to sit around and think about that. What this monster, Elon Musk, on behalf of the state, did to these poor little monkeys. And what these people plan on doing to the rest of humanity. And what they're already doing in many cases. And this is monkeys for Musk right now. But we're going back into Peter Thiel. I mean into Peter Emanuel and Diane Deulius. Over at the leftaboommilitary.com podcast. To talk about what they're doing to humans. They're doing to soldiers. They're doing to people that the military put in situations to have them maimed and injured and then come home and then run experiments on them all right let's just take a look at this article quick i'm going to wrap this up because we're going to start up the next segment with left of boom but this is from the-sun.com again this article just came out it's being printed everywhere right now it says uh robo reveal tesla ai day live elon musk to reveal new optimus robot at the 2022 tech event start time and how to stream revealed so this is actually going on um uh right now uh i haven't watched it but we'll see what comes out of it but again i told you they they, this guy is like tony stark he gets to play the real life tony stark and so he's going to bring out his uh, optimus robot last time it was a guy dressed in a suit But just to show how they're promoting artificial intelligence constantly, I figured I'd throw this in there. Tesla Artificial Intelligence Day is officially here, and Elon Musk says the live feed later today will include, quote, lots of technical detail and cool hardware demos, end quote. The Tesla humanoid robot Optimus, for which the event was delayed to today, will undoubtedly be the most anticipated presentation. The annual Tesla AI Day is a demonstration of the most cutting-edge technologies from all of the company's operating divisions. While Tesla cars receive the majority of press attention, the company has a wide range of other applications and products that it is constantly developing and improving. And so basically what this is is a big, uh, you know, just a big giant push for artificial intelligence and to further make elon musk into the real life tony stark and so there's a lot of stuff going on today they're going to talk about the brief history of tesla elon musk brother kimball by the way that guy uh grows foods inside of freight containers how musk made his money uh well he's a front man uh what's he worth uh, what is Tesla's stock price? Musk pursued college in Pennsylvania. Elon Musk didn't found Tesla. Tesla unveils safety updates. All kinds of uh, stuff here to promote Elon Musk and to promote, uh, promote Tesla. But the point of this, folks, I just want to show you the technocracy, the uh, technocratic transhumanist movement is alive and well. It's right out in front of us. You talk about science fiction. We are living it, folks. It's science fact. Uh, 
It's science nonfiction. It's there. It's all around us. The technocrats are advancing, ladies and gentlemen. They are advancing at light speed. But that doesn't mean that we can't work around them. It doesn't mean that we, at least for now, could just say no to their products, say no to the Tesla, say no to the Optimus robot or whatever else this crazy madman wants to pitch at us. Just say no to this stuff. Don't bring it into your household. Keep your kids and grandkids away from it. That's what you can do right now in this moment in time. Ladies and gentlemen, when we get back in the next moment in time, we're going to start back into... Left a Boom Podcast at Military.com. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, we've packed a lot of stuff in there. We got into Tucker and the mRNA breast milk transfer. We touched on the vaccines causing uh, menstrual cycle irregularities. We touched on Elon Musk killing those poor little monkeys with the brain hacking experiments funded by the government. We got into Elon Musk's artificial intelligence conference, his Tony Stark, his Tony Stark uh, brand that he has there. And so now we're going to jump back into this Left of Boom podcast featuring doctors Peter Emanuel and Diane Duilius. And so I backed it up about 30 seconds from where we ended last time, and we're going to pick it up there, and uh, we're going to analyze this for you and get through this so that we can get over to the second podcast in this series, which is very important because it's two more doctors who supposedly are managing the ethics of the cyborg soldier programs uh, for the government. And so you guys know, the stuff I just did in the first hour, that's the type of stuff I'm going to cover in the morning show. And so over the next week, I'm actually putting a set together across the way here uh, where I could do guests. It's got a couple of old chairs and a table with a lamp. And so I'm working on that because I think I'm going to do the morning show from that side of the room, change it up a bit. And so it'll be like my little uh, my little antique lounge, folks, where I sit there and drink some tea in the morning. Maybe I won't even, uh, I'll shoot it before I take a shower. Maybe my hair will be messed up and I'll be in a bathrobe. Who knows? Who knows? We'll do something funny, something different. All right, folks, uh, let's uh, pick this right up here. In combat for a long time now, and we've had to do a lot with musculoskeletal repairs, right, of, of wounded folks. And um, so this really stems out of a really, really rich body of research on um, connecting 
the musculoskeletal system to exoskeletal elements and things like that. So it goes everything from, you know, prosthetics that we want to try and um, connect to the brain um, throughout all of that. So, so really this is coming from a lot of trauma medicine and expanding into this particular um, vignette. Okay, let's, let's pause that for a second, folks. We talked about that briefly. But uh, I just want to expand that for you. So what she's saying, uh, that's Dr. Diane Deulius. Uh, and for those of you who don't remember, she's, you know, career, career bureaucrat. Um, what she's talking about is really sick and disgusting. And what she admits to there, it's very important, is that the people that we bring home uh, from the theater of war who have unfortunately and sadly been um, injured, uh, have lost limbs and such. They develop all these programs, as I told you, and they sell them to the public um, because they tug at your heartstrings and they play to human emotion. And so they bring someone back who they put in harm's way who maybe lost their legs, and then they launch an entire program to develop prosthetic legs that can plug into that person's brain that they can control uh, using their brain as if they're real legs. And so what she's admitting to right there is that they are doing all these experiments on these people. And then they admitted to earlier, if you remember, when they were talking about the ocular enhancements to imaging sight and situational awareness, that was basically giving soldiers the ability to see like a like an eagle, was that they said if they have a blind person, that person's going to be more willing to lend their body uh, to be experimented on. They'll be more likely to let you implant Hawkeyes in them versus someone who, let's say, is not damaged in any way. And so now she's saying they have all of these trauma cases where they've tested the technology that now they want to use to augment normal humans. So instead of an enhancement, which they refer to as fixing something that broke, so you lost your limbs, now they restore your limbs with prosthetics and bring them up to basically the same capability of your your original real legs that you lost, well, when they augment them, they're going to make them more powerful. So they're going to turn your legs into super legs. And so sadly, it makes me believe more and more when I hear these people talk about this, is that possibly one of the goals is to injure people so that they can then experiment on them. So they get someone who volunteers as a human guinea pig and then at the same time, they can do a CNBC piece or a Fox piece on some soldier who got bionic legs. And the majority of people say, wow, this is okay because, you know, we're, we're, we're fixing somebody, we're helping somebody. And so that general I mentioned at the beginning of the show who did that um, podcast with the two-minute clip I told you about that made its rounds on Twitter, was saying, oh, it's okay when we're putting prosthetic legs on these soldiers, but it's the fact that these guys want to merge humans with machine that's the really bad stuff. But the point that I make here is that 
there's always this slippery slope. And I don't believe they are unintended consequences. I believe everything is intended. So they load up the money to build prosthetic legs. The intention was never to enhance the person whose legs were taken off and give him his legs back. The intention was that he was being used as a guinea pig to develop what would be the augmented super legs. All right. I hope you understand that. I don't want to sound callous and cruel. Like I've said before, I'm not judging you if you have or anyone you know has ever had to use this type of technology to uh, fix themselves. It's out there. It's available. If you used it, that's fine. I'm just trying to make people aware that these guys are not doing this out of the goodness of their heart. They're not doing it to fix these soldiers. These soldiers are guinea pigs uh, for these experiments so that these guys can build cyborg soldiers which also probably is just another uh, front for the development of this technology that will be used for other even more nefarious purposes like creating some kind of super beings or maybe these guys want to give themselves not only immortality but immortality coupled with you know a cyborg body i mean that's what transhumanism is the merger of man and machine all right, let's continue. One thing I like about this one as well is that I think the ability to perform physically um, as is sort of proposed throughout this one, but then in an enhanced way is a very fundamental need of warfighters. And so in that way, I see this one and Peter, you can you can say what you think about this, but I see this one as, as sort of less should I do it or should I not do it um, from that perspective? Like when we talked about the invasiveness of doing an, an, um, an ocular enhancement to the eye, um, I see this one as a little more of, I'd be willing to put on a suit and take this enhancement and then you know take off the suit or how, you know however that's going to um, develop. So I saw this one as more of a fundamental basic thing that a warfighter would, would like to have. Okay, and I have the document up on the screen. This is the uh, government document that these two uh, co-authored, along with some other people, including Dr. James Giordano, who we're going to get into eventually. But uh, what they're talking about now is the restoration and program muscular control through an optogenic bodysuit sensor web. Okay, just so you know what she's talking about. Um, to be, be able to better perform physically and then be connected um, in that way. Yeah, so let me add a little bit to Diane's comments. I agree with everything she just said. Okay, now we're going to just pause this for a second because I just I like to tie things together for you. So either a suit like this, basically an Iron Man exoskeleton suit, is either going to have to be controlled via an implantable chip like the Neuralink brain chip. Hopefully what happened to the monkeys doesn't happen to the human uh, trials. But, uh, or the other way is what um, Charles Morgan III talked about in his lecture to the West Point Military Academy cadets and faculty, which is the transcranial electronic stimulation helmet, or as we saw, DARPA is developing under the name N-cubed, which is a helmet that reads your brain and doesn't actually have to be implanted 
inside of your head. All right. I just want to tie that together because we've talked about so much technology here and I need to sometimes bring this together and tie it together. So you understand all these different programs are going on in all these different places. But at the end of the day, it all comes from the state. And as you can see right now, doctors Peter Emanuel and Diane Deulius on behalf of the U.S. Army, the Department of Defense, uh, were running a study on all of this stuff that we see coming into play from various departments and various so-called private industry and universities. All right, let's continue. So looking at this one, don't get so caught up in whether it's on how the bodysuit works. This one's actually happening right now. Uh, exactly. So as Diane mentioned, has a lot of injured people. And so there's, a, there's DARPA programs right now. And so uh, what they've been able to do is to take somebody who's lost their limb, give them a prosthetic arm, and allow them to actually control with their mind how to, uh, to operate that. And they, um, they can pick up objects and they can um, actually even be across the street and, and, and be linked in by Bluetooth and control this arm. Okay, pause that for a second. I just want to make that point real quick. Uh, they just admitted to it. So now it's not just the DARPA information I read off the government's website to you, articles I've reviewed for you. Now you have... Two doctors who authored a paper for the U.S. Army, uh, in effect, the Department of Defense, who just admitted to the fact that DARPA is already uh, working with soldiers who can control prosthetic limbs with their mind and can even, through Bluetooth, control a robotic arm or something like that across the street. Now, that was also verified via Dr. Charles Morgan III, who is former uh, CIA and intelligence officer who works under government grants now for the United States out of University of New Haven and Yale University, also developing this, also working on this stuff, who also admitted to the West Point Military Academy cadets and faculty that DARPA had in fact been working on this technology and that's why we jumped over to DARPA the other day. But as you can see, folks, the point is this is all merger of man and machine. This is the point in which you're starting to see singularity, as Ray Kurzweil says, come to fruition. Singularity, as Peter Thiel was funding going back to 2006. All right, singularity. When man merges with machine. And so we're in the middle of it. You're seeing it actually happen, all right? So if they put a brain chip inside your head and you're interfacing with an AI hive mind or with the internet, you're already merged with machine, right? Now you go and have a prosthetic limb that moves being controlled from your brain via a Neuralink chip or a transcranial electronic stimulation N-cubed helmet, you are merged with machine. And I told you, that these people are able to propagandize others into this by saying the fact that you carried your phone around with you was already merging you with machine, or the fact that you wear earphones uh, or a VR headset merged you with machine. No, it hadn't because it actually hadn't become invasive. But now when you start doing surgical procedures to enhance your hearing or your eyes or your 
um, you know, limbs. Now that is truly the merger of man and machine. Now we can argue whether or not an enhancement would be considered transhumanism. That would be losing your leg and replacing it with a leg that does the same thing as your old leg or augmentation, which would be giving you a super leg. You know, if one of those is more ethical than the other but the issue is that it always leads to the same place which is this transhumanism building of frankenstein monsters and marvel superhero characters ladies and gentlemen we'll be right back i am dustin gold this is the dustin gold standard and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. I am Dustin Gold and this is the Dustin Gold Standard. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is quite important, as you can see. I mean, truly understanding what the state is doing, what they are after, what they are researching, what they are developing, and what their goals are is very important to you and to me, because this is the stuff we are up against. You know, these are the things that our children and grandchildren will grow up with, folks. We are in it now. We are seeing it in action. All right, let's continue where we uh, left off. From afar. And so now, obviously, the DARPA programs, they're, they're, they're far cry from being able to have somebody in a, in a Marvel superhero daredevil costume flipping around and running at high speed and performing these things. But... Um, we're at the, at the very earliest stages, and it's the natural evolution of technology. And so what this, what our group needs to do um, is, is... Okay, so he said they're at the very early stages of building the Marvel superheroes. And he said this is the natural evolution of technology. Well, it's the natural evolution of technology when the government, when the state, when it, the, the, the state actors like these guys are building it, I guess it would be the natural evolution. Um, I wish we'd call for an international ban on all of this. I wish there was a way that you and I could go live uh, full Amish together in some community and say, hey, we opt out. But unfortunately, that's not the case. It's all around us. All right, let's continue actually think beyond where we are now, where the trends are going, and what technology is going to do in 10, 20, and 30 years. And so, you know, this is where we are today. And ultimately, we, we can envision a, a way that you would, you would put on a body suit and be able to restore whole or partial function to various parts of the body. And the natural evolution is, is that as you uh, increase the communication between man and machine, you can create much more subtle movements. And ultimately, you could create programs that would uh, make the human body not really even need to know things. So you could put that on and, and, and in the year 2050 and plug in a program like you're on a holodeck and be like, I want to do a, a, you know, a, a, a ballet routine and you've never done a day of ballet or a gymnastic routine. I want to do a backflip. And if your body is in the right receptive to it, you punch the button and you do a backflip. And so, um, the possibilities there for being able to train p 
people to do very complex tasks or are really uh, amazing, you can restore functionality to be able to allow somebody who is a paraplegic to be able to potentially walk across the room and cook mm-hmm. dinner. And so, Okay. Okay. So he throws in that last part that uh, you could have a paraplegic walk across the room and cook dinner. And you know why he does that? Because he just said some really crazy stuff about a guy in a suit who can upload a program and then the exoskeleton does ballet. And then he brought it back to uh, reality because he was like, oh, hold on a second. We need to talk about paraplegics and how they could cook dinner for their wife. And so... You see what's going on, folks, but you're, you're picking up a lot here, a lot of intel, because this guy, Dr. Peter Emanuel, like Dr. Charles Morgan and the rest of them, they love to brag about the stuff they're working on behind the scenes. So they are building Marvel superhero characters. They've said that. They're at their early stages. That is where they're going with this. Now, eventually, I'm going to get in a little heavier into the tech stuff that's actually in the report itself. But this is a good uh, broad stroke to listen to it in this podcast forum, this discussion first, okay? Because they're talking to sort of laymen while they're giving this discussion. But we'll get into more of the tech in a little while. Let's continue. Oh, yeah. It's possible because we're now seeing that we're able to communicate between the brain and the, and the human flesh. And so as we go from a, a diode-based TI-86 Texas Instruments calculator to my iPhone, you know, that happened in such a short period of time. And so remember that comment you made at the beginning, Hope, which is how is it possible that you're talking only 30 years in the future? Right. And the, and the reality is, is that the iPhone wasn't even introduced until the late 2000s. I think it was 2008. And so that's such a short period of time. You know, it's something. I- okay, let's pause there for a second. So at first they're talking about, as I said to you, the uh, restoration and program muscular control through an optogenic bodysuit sensor web. And then he floats into what's going to happen when the brain can more quickly interface back and forth with the computer that is running the machine. And so that gets into the direct neural enhancement of the human brain for two-way data transfer. All right. And they talked a little bit about that before with the ability to basically pull from all of these sort of sensory um, targets you know, into the brain and then be able to flip through them inside your head, similar to looking at apps on your iPhone. And I'm just going to read you something out of the document, Cyborg Soldier 2050, so you have an understanding of what these guys are discussing, what uh, Emmanuel and Deulius are discussing here with Hope Hodgesek on Left of Boom. So right after you go through the four vignettes, okay, and that was ocular, that was the bodysuit, that was auditory, and that was the uh, brain enhancement for the two-way data transfer. And those were the four vignettes that um, they ended up focusing on in this paper. But it says here, although each of these technologies, talking about those four, will offer the potential to incrementally enhance performance beyond the normal human baseline, So that's like above our average. That's where they would call that augmentation. The BHPC study group 
analysis suggested that the development of direct neural enhancements of the human brain for two-way data transfer would create a revolutionary advancement in future military capabilities. And again, this is through some sort of a brain chip or the transcranial electronic stimulation device, or as DARPA calls it, N-cubed is the program. Goes on to say, this technology is predicted to facilitate read-write capability between humans and machines and between humans through brain-to-brain interactions. As I told you, there would be like an upload, inload, input, output, so it's two-way transfer. And then it can read the data coming in, and then it can also write data. It says, these interactions would allow warfighters direct communication with unmanned and autonomous systems. All right, that's drones, that's killer robots and such as well as with other humans to optimize command and control systems and operations. So they're able to use the brain interface to talk to each other inside of their brains. You know, Elon Musk got into some of this on Joe Rogan experience. Goes on to say, the potential for direct data exchange between human neural networks and microelectronic systems could revolutionize tactical warfighter communications speed the transfer of knowledge throughout the chain of command, and ultimately dispel the fog of war. Direct neural enhancement of the human brain through neurosilica interfaces could improve target acquisition and engagement and accelerate defense, uh, defensive and offensive systems. You see, that that's one paragraph in this 42-page document so in this podcast they're kind of brushing over these topics but i want to show you what's actually written in here they actually researched this this is what they're focused on all right let's continue with the podcast i actually do hear this batted around in the military a little bit because you've got things like long-standing efforts to reduce uh, the combat load of the warfighter so that you're not breaking down their bodies and you've got Things like physical fitness standards, which are always a hot topic of discussion among my audience. Um, And then you've got folks saying, well, we're going to have these exosuits that are going to do jumps and flips and anything we want them to do. So is this the the horse and wagon? Does this whole line of effort have a shelf life here? And it's it's a really interesting conversation. And let, let me just throw this out there. I mentioned this before. But if they have the ability, folks... Okay, to put a brain chip inside someone's head or strap a transcranial electronic stimulation N-cubed helmet to your head, read your mind to operate an exoskeleton Marvel superhero Iron Man costume that you're wearing, or to be able to send data back and forth from my head to your head, if they have the ability to do all of this, to create robotic arms for me, and everything else. Do they have the ability to negotiate peace (laughs) with everyone around the world? I mean, like if they could do all this, why can't they uh, snap their fingers and have peace where you wouldn't have to have war and wouldn't have to develop all these weapons of war and uh, modify human beings uh, biologically? With gene editing and splicing and super vaccines and anti-fear pills and everything else they're doing. Number one. Number two, if they could build all these autonomous killer AI robots, what the hell 
Do they even need humans involved anymore? And if everyone is going to be using robots, like they say, right, like uh, Russia's going to and China's going to and we're going to and North Korea's going to and everyone's going to have killer autonomous robots. And then couple in there the fact that we have all these rules of engagement they talk about where we're not even supposed to be targeting civilians. So technically, China isn't supposed to send a killer robot over here to walk around the streets of New York like Godzilla and stomp on people and kill them. So if none of this technically is going to happen and the elites are really just putting their soldiers up against other soldiers and that's what the war is about and civilians won't be involved, what the hell do we even need any of us to join the military? Why don't these stupid idiots take their robots and put them up on Mars or like put them out into Antarctica where no one is and they could just fight each other until the last robot is standing and then that's who won the war i mean we could strap up amazon ring cameras everywhere live stream this it'd be like the tv show robot wars i think it was called and so everyone can sit there with popcorn it'll be like the olympics of the scientists and engineers coolest robots and then whoever wins gets to take over the oil pipeline or gets to take the lithium or gets to uh, you know rape and pillage the other person's country. I mean, isn't that what it's all about? Isn't that what war is, folks, at the end of the day? It's about taking the natural resources from the loser. So what do they need to take me for? Put a brain chip in my head, jack me up with gene editing and DNA splicing, turn me into a real-life Incredible Hulk, put an exoskeleton on me, and then load a program in my head so I could do the ballet right before they load Kung Fu in me, and I could chop up a bunch of other guys in robot suits. Why don't they just have their robots fight each other and leave us all alone? Because that's not the goal, folks, because they're, they're lying. They're full of it. The goal is the engineering of humanity out of existence, and they're going to replace us whatever, with whatever the hell it is they're actually engineering. It never ends because the scientists want to know about everything, and the engineers want to fix everything. And so these guys aren't going to stop. So, frankly, if you wanted this to stop, you'd have to defund all the scientists and engineers. I'm sorry, fellas. I know that they told everyone to go to school for engineering and for science. But, frankly, at the end of the day, you are the problem. Uh, If there's a scientist or engineer who wants to come on and debate me, I would love that. But right now, you have too many of these doctors running around wanting to uh, build this freakish Frankenstein technology and merge man with machine. And I don't see a lot of other scientists and engineers speaking out against this. The doctors who spoke out against, say, the vaccine, I see them at the end of the day supporting other DNA-modifying technology. So just think about that, folks. Think about that while we go to a quick break. My name is Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold of the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Payne.tv. Dot TV slash gold. All 
right, folks, we got a little ways to go here on this podcast, and this is very important stuff, so we have to work our way through it. You really have to understand what your government is up to, and this is one of the ways to do it. It's to listen to the representatives of the government, the extensions of the state, talk about what they are doing, what they are doing, and then start to ask yourself, does it make sense? Does it make sense what they're doing and the reasons that they give you for doing this stuff? Because to me, it does not make sense. All right, let's continue where we uh, where we left off. And that I think grabs the interest of younger warfighters, especially. So something just this is an interesting place to insert a, a point is that there's going to be a huge commercial driver for a lot of these technologies. And this one's a perfect example um, the worldwide market for all of these technologies is really going to dwarf the, the, the defense uh, application space. Imagine the ability to restore functionality in somebody who's no, no longer mobile. Once that technology matures to the point where it's a viable commercial product, um, industry is going to flock there with, with investment dollars that will dwarf all of the combined military investment budgets uh, because there's so much money to be made. Okay, okay. So he's talking about all this transhumanist technology will be adopted by the private sector, and all these investment dollars are going to flow in that dwarfs the uh, military budgets. But what he's not telling you is that the military and the government are the ones who are funding all the research and development inside the universities and the private sector. We showed you yesterday, kind of broke that down for you to show you that the government are the ones who think tank this stuff and they push it out into the private sector for wider adoption. And so again, they're not building exoskeleton suits to cure your grandmother of arthritis, okay? That's not what this is for. You'll see in the next episode, the second part of this discussion, where the ethics guys talk about the only way to make this fair and equitable, because you can't have soldiers just coming back from war running around with the strength of the Incredible Hulk and an Iron Man suit attached to their body. So the only way to make it fair and equitable is to offer it to everyone. The ultimate goal for some of these folks with transhumanism is to merge everyone with machine. But I always bring up the point that the ultimate goal is going to be to engineer humanity out of existence because that is the only logical conclusion when you're allowing the engineers and scientists to run free and you're funding them and you're encouraging them to do this stuff the next logical conclusion is to engineer humanity out of existence. As you see that they're always trying to make humanity more perfect with the DNA slicing, gene editing and such, and then with the merger with machine. Well, a man could only pick up, you know, 100 pounds with his arm. So let's give him a robotic arm that could pick up 1,000 pounds. Well, why 1,000 pounds? says the next engineer, it could be 2,000 pounds. Well, the the human's um, shoulder couldn't bear the weight, even with the robotic arm. Oh, okay, well, let's cut off his shoulder, and we'll replace that with a bionic uh, shoulder. The next engineer says, well, that's a great idea, but we want him to be able to pick up a building. Well, he can't pick up a building. The shoulder can't bear that weight. Oh, well, why don't we 
DNA modify him and we'll make him 20 feet tall. I mean, before it's over, folks, humans are out of the equation because they'll never be perfect enough for the scientist or the engineer. And artificial intelligence, the super artificial intelligence that they say will be smarter than all humans, will be the ultimate super engineer that will completely engineer everything out of existence because they can always find problems. They can always find problems. They can always find inefficiencies and such all the time. When you're looking for problems all day, you will find problems. All right, let's continue. I agree 100% on that, Peter. And the I, I think on both sides of it, right, there's going to be commercial interest because people will think this is cool and want to have it and be able to do things with it. Um, and, it, it, you know, there's a whole sort of entertainment value to it. Then there's a whole piece of it that has functionality, like, are people going to use suits like this because they work in warehouses or on loading pl- docks and loading platforms, and it'll become like a you know, a tool that is for, you know, work purposes, instead of driving one of those big pallet carts, you know, you'll have this suit and you'll be able to just pick up pallets of stuff maybe. Um, And then the third piece of it is. Oh yeah, right. So you and I are still going to have a job working in a warehouse when the exoskeleton robot suits exist. What do they even need us for at that point? Do you see what I'm saying? It's really that humans are the bridge. Uh, sort of uh, the connective tissue between this rudimentary technology and then the full-blown AI robots. They're just going to use us as the connective tissue between the two until they can weed humans out completely from the process. We've actually heard that before. I believe it was in the Lars Butler Artificial Intelligence Foundation series we did for you probably my emails my personal emails with rob mallory of the artificial intelligence foundation and they talked about having one of my voice actors there to do obama so that if their ai deep fake barack obama say couldn't answer a question based on the artificial brain the artificial intelligence backbone in the middle of a investor an investor presentation then the human could jump in and make up, you know, a sentence, say something while the AI is catching up. And they called that, I think, like in the human loop. But eventually the human wouldn't need to be there. So say they're going to strap this on you and put a brain chip in your head so you could pick up pallets in a warehouse. Right. They're going to have half robot cyborg men walking around in the Amazon warehouse. I'm telling you, folks, it's crazy. And when I talk about it uh, coming up in a future episode, my theory behind technocratic transhumanism, you know, it's going to blow your mind because one of the tenets of technocracy behind the uh, ideology of technocracy is that the scientists and the engineers want to rule over society. And the goal is to make society operate uh, completely efficient. And so they want to control the means of production and the means of distribution, very similar to communism. Uh, We won't get into that right now. But basically the goal is that they want to have an abundance of goods. 
So what they're going to do is they're going to control the workforce, the scientists and engineers, and they will develop all of the workforce schedules so that the system operates 24-7, 365. And what they promise you for allowing them to do this is you only have to work like three days in a row, and then you'll get a break. But basically, they want it running 24-7, 365 and then they have an abundance of goods you know that we need to live on and so then they're going to handle the distribution of the goods and the rationing of the goods well i was thinking about this the other day because you know i like to talk about gig work well we are effectively in the technocracy at least a hybrid of a technocracy right now as far as that sort of old school ideology comes from because the scientists and the engineer (coughs) and the uh, businessmen who uh, believe they are the experts, they've already started to control a large portion of the blue collar workforce and they are controlling the distribution of the goods through the gig work industry. As I've told you before, it's something like 50 to 60 million people out of 350 million, uh, about out of 200 million that can work in the United States that are doing gig work either part or full time. And so they're controlling the schedules in which and when these people work to keep the system running 24 7, 365. And at the same time, they're controlling the distribution of the goods, much like Amazon which now uses gig workers. So eventually, if all of the brick-and-mortar stores are gone and everything is warehoused, and let's say eventually they manufacture the goods in the warehouse and then they handle, because everything will be 3D printed, that's one of the goals of the Fourth Industrial Revolution, so they can 3D print all the products in the warehouse, and then they handle the distribution of the goods. I mean, that is technocracy. So we are effectively in it now, and you didn't need to push it through, quote-unquote, the government, because they're able to do it through the government's private sector partners, which are just an extension of the government. That's why I told you it's the state that's actually behind this. The state is the system. The state is the matrix. So... Think about that for a minute, folks, because we are already in the technocracy. That's part of the fourth industrial revolution is to move us into the fourth industrial era. And so you're seeing the fourth industrial revolution in full swing as the technocrats take control of the work schedules and then the processing and the distribution of goods ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold this is the dustin gold standard and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.TV. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to Ping.TV slash gold. All right, folks, let me pull something up for you quickly. Because I think it's, I think this is important right now. 
All right, I'm going to read the next paragraph in the Cyborg Soldier 2050 document uh, after where I left off before. I just want to show you how they've already thought through bringing this stuff to the masses and making it widely acceptable. It says, uh, although the control of military hardware... Enhanced situational awareness and faster data assimilation afforded by direct neural control would fundamentally alter the battlefield by the year 2050. The other three cyborg technologies are also likely to be adopted in some form of warfighters in civil society. Now, just so you know, again, this document was published in 2019. They researched it in partially 2018 and 19. I don't believe it's 2050. I actually believe it's much sooner than that. But it says uh, the BHPC study group predicted that human-machine enhancement technologies will become widely available before the year 2050 and will steadily mature, largely driven by civilian demand and a robust bioeconomy that is at its earliest stages of developments in today's global market. We'll go back to 2018 and just see how much it, it has advanced in four years. Okay. Goes on to say the global healthcare market will fuel human machine enhancement technologies. All right. That's basically the brain interface and then these prosthetic arms, primarily to augment the loss of functionality from injury or disease. Again, using those human guinea pigs to tug at the uh, heartstrings and uh, play to human emotions goes on to say and defense applications will likely not drive the market in its later stages okay so (laughs) the defense applications will likely not drive the market in its later stages so if they're only building this stuff for the military then why are they worried about driving the market at all Right, And if the military built this and kept a handle on it and it was illegal for everyone else to develop this, just like they try to make certain weapons illegal, certain guns are illegal, you can't have this military flamethrower. It's illegal. But you can have the Neuralink brain chip. It goes on to say the BHPC study group anticipated that the gradual introduction of beneficial restorative cyborg technologies will to an extent exlimitize the population to their use, right? So the gradual introduction of beneficial restorative cyborg technologies, right? Do you understand? So they're saying the gradual introduction through these this medical field, right, to restore lost limbs as they test on the human guinea pigs will help introduce the population uh, to their use. The whole point is to normalize and to humanize this technology that the military is building and make it widely accepted. And in the second part of this podcast, you're going to hear the ethics guys talk about just that. All right, let's continue where we left off. What's it doing for um, in, a, in a therapeutic way? Like would elderly people with arthritis, for example, is this a mitigation and enable them to uh, walk and play sports again and do things they want to do um, despite arthritic joints. So it is a whole, I can see a whole host of 
applications for this technology in particular um, that crosses both commercial, entertainment, work applications, labor applications, and DOD applications. You see, okay, so that's why I read you that because she just summed that up. So there's all these different applications for this technology, but if they're just using it to build cyborg soldiers, why does the private sector, so-called private sector, even know about it, right? So it's not like there's 17 separate entities developing the same exact thing at the same exact time on the same exact trajectory, it's all being fueled out of the military, and then the goal is to adopt it widely amongst the public. I mean, that's how you turn everyone into cyborgs. That's how you turn everyone into transhuman Frankenstein monsters. All right, let's continue. We'll be right back. Okay, so she's going to run in this... Uh, short commercial break here folks and so what i'm going to do is i'm going to actually skip past that because the way that we break this down here we don't have to uh, run that but basically for all of you who want to check it out it's military.com and you can look up the podcast left of boom and uh, i believe these were episodes six and seven on the cyborg super soldiers all right let's pick this back up here not only something like their own wired-in prosthetics, but also objects and machines using their minds. Dr. Deulis, what do you envision this technology looking like? And this is something I found particularly interesting. Who might be most likely to, to get it in the military setting? Wow, that's a big question. Um, well, first, let me just back up and talk about this one vignette in particular, because of all the vignettes that we discussed um, throughout the study, this is the one that had the most potential as a game-changing kind of technology, um, not just for defense, but in the face of what our adversaries might be doing and how um, technology is changing our posture with our adversaries. So the other ones, we could look at those and say, yes, if our adversaries are adopting more physical enhancements, if they're adopting auditory or other kinds of enhancements, we would see these things growing apace in our militaries and, and other countries' militaries. But this is one where um, we really need to think about what are the implications of this, because we're talking about when you're looking at direct enhancements of the brain, that's a fundamental change in the behavior of human beings. Okay, so now she's talking about the direct neural enhancement of human brain for two-way data transfer. And so that's the paragraph that I read you in the last segment, I believe. So let's pay attention to this because this gets into the actual Neuralink brain chip uh, and other iterations of that, as well as the transcranial electronic stimulation helmet of which DARPA is studying uh, called the N-Cube program. All right, let's continue. Right. It fundamentally changes Go ahead, Peter. Maybe we should just describe what it is uh, very quickly. And then I want to jump back to Diane. What we're talking about is not essentially uh, just placing blunt force electrodes to stimulate neurons, but we're actually, this enhancement is the meeting of a machine and, and nerve endings at a cellular level, which mm -hmm. in effect means that there's direct communication between one cell and another cell transferring information. 
And that allows for a high bandwidth transfer in a two-way fashion of information between man and machine. And that's mm-hmm. not where we are right now, but we're studying that and we're, and, and we're making progress. And once we make that breakthrough, that's the, that's the revolutionary, not evolutionary, but the revolutionary change that alters all of these technologies, really. I would- okay, okay, okay. Let's pause that for a second because you need to hear that again. Listen to Dr. Peter Emanuel's words carefully, right? Because Dr. Diane Deulius said, you know, basically studying these other militaries and our adversaries and what are they going to use? And then what does Dr. Peter Emanuel say? Let's continue here. Reading of a machine and, and nerve endings at a cellular level, which mm-hmm. in effect means that there's direct communication between one cell and another cell, transferring information, and that allows for a high bandwidth transfer in a two-way fashion of information between man and machine. Okay, right, so you understand that. It's, it's a high-speed transfer of data between man and machine. Now, are you ready? Just, just listen carefully. And that's not where we are right now, but... Okay, that's not where we are right now, but what does he say? We're studying that and we're, and, and we're making progress. And once we... We're studying that and we're making progress, right? So he's talking about a technology that does not yet exist, at least supposedly does not yet exist. Or you and I, the general public are not supposed to know that it exists. But he's saying that they're studying it and they are close. They are studying it. So they're developing it, folks. They're not studying it. They're researching it and developing it. We're doing it. We're doing it. Yeah, the state is doing it. I'm going to back that up so you can hear it one more time. Or a high bandwidth transfer in a two-way fashion of information between man and machine and that's mm-hmm. not where we are right now but we're studying that and we're and, and we're making progress and once we make that breakthrough that's the that's the revolutionary not evolutionary but the revolutionary change we're making progress and once we have that breakthrough it's not evolutionary it's revolutionary revolutionary Right. This is a revolutionary moment. Write this down if you take notes. It's a revolutionary moment for the transhumanists when they have this technology. And he says they're not there yet, but they're making progress. And once they have it, it's a revolutionary moment. So there you go. There you have the United States government represented at this moment the state represented by dr peter emmanuel telling you that they are working on this revolutionary moment in transhumanism all right i'm going to let this finish out here that alters all of these technologies really i was going to ask you peter her original question talked about who in the military would get this and i thought you'd be better to answer that one than i would but we did talk about an enhancement and how how the DOD would operate, how warfighters would operate together, given that someone could be enhanced. 
right, in this particular way. So how does that work? Um, if there's a group of individuals and one of them can receive information directly into the brain. Yeah, you see how Hope Hodge uh, Sec, the host, basically cut him off and moved on? Because this guy was saying, we've reached this revolutionary moment once we can do this. And we are studying it. We're making progress. And once we hit it, it's this revolutionary moment in transhumanism. This is, this is very important, folks. This is your government admitting that they're doing it. I mean, he's not talking about Elon Musk is studying it. He wasn't saying China's studying it. He said, we are studying it and we are making progress. We're not there yet, but this will be a revolutionary moment that makes all of those other technologies they discussed, the ocular enhancements, the auditory enhancements, and the optogenic bodysuit sensor web enhancement even more powerful. Let's just see what, uh, let's see how they answer this. On the situational awareness, on, they're getting data uh, that the other members of that unit are not getting, right? So now there has to be a level of trust there and how these operators are gonna work together because this one person has this. How is that person selected? And do, do, do individuals want to have this advancement or not? And so all of those questions were things we discussed at the workshop when we talked about this particular vignette and then we talked about it in the context of what about our allies okay we ha if we start if at some point and, and i apologize folks i said it was hope hodge sec that cut him off it was dr diane Dulius who cut him off which is even more telling because they're co-authors in this paper and she cut him off to jump in there and redirect the conversation. Let's continue. 2050 and beyond, you know, we have this kind of capability. Are allies going to have that capability? What's the, how is that information shared um, between militaries and so forth? Peter, you can probably speak a little bit more to that than I can. No, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, here's, let's talk about this one about how it might appear on the battlefield because it, I think it, it kind of helps um, and we can talk about all the vignettes now. Let's just talk about operationalizing the technology. So now, in effect, you have uh, one individual who now has access to large amounts of information coming in from visual, from auditory, uh, from satellite imagery that can be directly uploaded inside their organic brain. And they're seeing and, and interpreting and chewing and, and being able to make actionable decisions based on information coming in potentially from a drone flying 20 miles away or a satellite overhead in space. And so now this person is in effect a command and control person on the move. And so right now the Department of Defense is exploring operations in a multi-domain operation battle space. And that means that um, we can expect to be contested in the air, the land, the sea, and we wanna dominate. We wanna, we wanna essentially be able to control now, in addition to that, we are in a more expeditionary posture, which means that we're going to be fast-moving uh, units that may be cut off or constrained for periods of time. And so you're going to have a small battle group moving very fast, maybe what we call on the edge. Okay, so now what he's talking about is exactly how this technology is going to be utilized on the battlefield, right? 
So you're going to have one guy who is the leader of a team, let's say, who has access to all of this information. Folks, this is, all right, if you haven't picked it up yet, if you don't understand, we're not just talking about the military uh, purposes for this technology. You're talking about now, it doesn't matter if it's the leader of the unit or it's you or it's me who becomes the human guinea pig for this experiment. But what they're effectively talking about here, the ability to beam down multiple pieces of information into your brain for you to be able to handle all of this stuff coming in and how you're actually going to process it, right? So your head doesn't explode uh, or you don't end up uh, going into uh, some kind of... uh, you know, a health attack like the macaque monkey that Elon Musk is playing with and they have to um, euthanize you. No, what what they're referring to here, what this is going to be, you can see it, folks, clearly. These are the experiments. This is the technology that leads to the downloading of, let's say, the AI hive mind that Ray Kurzweil talks to into your brain, this massive super data dump that you get into your brain. So you have multiple pieces of information coming from many places, all coming back into your head. How can you process that? How can you handle it? How can you decipher it? How can you utilize it? You know, and how can you live and survive by beaming down the, you know, third layer of your brain, the silicone-based cloud-stored neocortex, as Ray Kurzweil explains it, folks. It's all very real. It's all right here. And they send out Dr. Peter Emanuel and Dr. Diane Dulius to talk about it publicly, and they unclassify the document the study they did for the u.s army they're not hiding it folks the technocrats are on the march the transhumanists are looking for that revolutionary moment that dr peter emmanuel talked about ladies and gentlemen sleep on that seriously absorb this stuff take it home with you think about it as we move forward into next episode where we're going to finish up this podcast and then i'm going to introduce you to the ethics guys that are the ones in charge of worrying about how we do all this ethically how do we ethically move forward with transhumanism how do we ethically engineer humans out of existence ladies and gentlemen i'm dustin gold this is the dustin gold standard and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold the matrix is a computer generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Join the discussion at Pain.tv slash gold. <laughs> 